This offseason, the Pelicans haven't addressed adding rim protection to the team yet, but do they actually need to? Plus, I have a defensive statistic that will surprise you. It's Wednesday's episode of Locked On Pelicans. Let's go. You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts and available on YouTube. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all on this Wednesday. And I know you're thinking we're going to talk jerseys with the Pelicans releasing their statement edition jerseys. We're going to save that for tomorrow for the live episode of Locked On Pelicans on YouTube. So if you want to give me your opinion of the Pelicans jerseys, I'm going to share a little more info, some inside info on what other alternates are coming and what the NBA's jersey kind of plan is in general. So if you want to listen to that, make sure you become an everydayer of Locked On Pelicans and make Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday, the number one Pelicans podcast. No one else coming to y'all like this. It's going to be a lot of fun as we get deeper into the offseason. We will be three days a week, actually, and I have some fun shows planned that you're all going to be able to interact with. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube as well. Today's episode of Locked On Pelicans is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started today. So y'all have been sending me some like great comments, great questions on Twitter, X, whatever it's called. I'm calling it Twitter. And using them in the shows here, and I got a great one the other day that I really liked because I think it leads to some interesting discussion about the Pelicans defense. This comes from at IQ underscore 504. Yo, Jake, every day or here, which I love to hear, would love to hear a show on options that upgrade our rim protection and pick and roll defense from the center position, whether it be adding depth behind Jonas Valanciunas or dealing him away. With us being over the luxury tax and low on draft picks, it'll take some creativity. And this got me thinking, you know, do they actually need to add some of that? Do they need to improve pick and roll defense? Do they need to improve rim protection? And this allows us to kind of dive deep into the numbers and the eye test and look at some film because I'm not sure that the answer to that is yes. Let me remind you that the Pelicans defense ranked six best last season over the course of the year. And they did that with all of the injuries to like a ton of players. And they still were the sixth ranked defense. Simply put, the defense was good. The defense was good. There's no other way to describe it. It was good. It was almost top five. You're in the top 10 in the league. And the numbers almost everywhere back this up. So let's start with rim protection before getting into the pick and roll defense here. You know, you look at two things when it comes to rim protection. You know, first and foremost, there's frequency. And in terms of opponents shooting the shots at the rim against the Pelicans, the Pelicans did a very good job at limiting all of that. I'm trying to find where the numbers just went here. The Pelicans were ninth best. Teams shot 32% of their shots against the Pelicans at the rim. That's a very low number. Ninth best in the league. Shots at the rim are 
basically outside of a free throw, the best shot you can manufacture. Corner threes are after that. That's kind of the hierarchy of shots there because you tend to shoot a higher percentage at the rim than other areas. So if you can limit that, you're limiting high field goal percentage opportunities for the opponent. That's a really good thing. You know, by comparison, you know, some of the worst teams in the league, you know, the best team in the league was the Golden State Warriors at 25.2%. But the Pelicans limiting people to just 32% at the rim is a very good number. And again, ranks them ninth best in the league. The other side to it is the accuracy at the rim. And this is elevated compared to other areas. But the Pelicans did not do a good job of limiting, uh, of forcing misses when teams got to the rim against them. Team shot 71.6% against the Pelicans. That was the field goal percentage at the rim. That was worst in the league. 71.6. The best in the league was Memphis Grizzlies at 62%. That's about a 10% or so difference right there, a little under that. That's significant, but you've got to look at both of these numbers because I know there's many of you who are saying 71.6% last in the league. They need to upgrade the rim protection then. That proves it. It's really a combination of both of those numbers. You know, when you think about both those together being good at limiting the amount of shots there, but not being great when you do allow those shots, if you can still limit it, it works. You just know that that's a weakness on your team of the field goal percentage at the rim. So you limit it and okay, it's not as big of a weakness. And so if you kind of factor those two things in together, you know, are they average at worst when it comes to rim protection when you kind of look at all of those things? And I think that's kind of it. And look, that's they know this, and that's why they run this switching scheme on defense. So think of pick and roll, and we'll get into the pick and roll here in a second. You know, when the guard has the ball in his hands, the big man sets the pick. What the Pelicans do is they just switch instead of trying to fight through the screen because they don't really have guards that can do that or playing drop coverage or hedging or doing other things. They just go, you guys switch. So the guard comes off the screen, say he's moving to the left, you know, and then all of a sudden the big man just picks him up. And then the Pelicans guard guards the big man. And eventually you try and switch back and get people, you know, matched up where they need to be. But doing that means you don't give a lane to the basket. If you play something called drop coverage, you kind of sag off that pick and roll and give them a little bit of room to either get a full head of steam against you or they just get an open three point look. But it works with certain kind of players because that's what the way they defend. But the Pelicans switch to basically just not even let you get a step on them to go and attack the basket. And it was working as the numbers really bear that out. So they know they give up a high percentage at the rim and they do whatever else they can to just not let you get there. So if you're not getting shots at the rim, who cares if you shoot 100% if it's just being limited? This is smart defense. You know, the... Look at it from the pick and roll too. And when you look at the pick and roll numbers and you yourself can go find this on NBA.com slash stats under some of the tracking data, they're, they're like league average when it comes to just defending the pick and roll. When it comes to the, the ball handler, the roll man, you don't need to worry about as much in that sort of thing. They're fine. They're not amazing at it. They are not bad at it either. They're just like a perfectly fine uh, team when it comes to defending the pick and roll. So when you, when you factor all of that in, they're actually better than that. There were, when it comes to the ball handler, one, two, three, fourth best, fourth best. They weren't great with the roll man, but they were fourth best when it came to the ball handler. So the guard doing all of that. They're not bad there, right? You know, and all of that is to say 
they have a bunch of looks that they can give you in a bunch of different players. They can play small with Larry Nance Jr. there. They can keep Jonas Valanciunas in there. And this is all to say that maybe Jonas is a slightly underrated, though certainly not good, center. So when you look at all these numbers, is rim protection a big need? If they're good at defending the pick and roll, even if we don't think Jonas Valanciunas is good at defending the pick and roll, do they really need to spend resources upgrading that when you're like kind of fine in all of these categories? And I'm not sure that the answer is yes. But I wanted to go a little bit deeper into this because the numbers we're giving give you the whole game. But what about clutch situations? Final five minutes of the game, the score uh, less than five points either way for your team or the other team. You know, that's where maybe they struggle. Close games, they can't defend, they can't do other things. I took a look at those numbers. They're surprising. It was honestly not what I was expecting. And I'll let you know why coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. Before we get to that, though, today's episode of Locked on Pelicans is brought to you by FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200 you can spend betting everything from the money line to the over-under to who you think is going to hit the first home run. All on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. And plus, when you win, you can get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on the MLB than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. So sign up today and visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday, although we'll be three days a week starting next month. So I'm going to need to change that up a little bit. But normally we're here Monday through Friday, the number one Pelicans podcast coming to you like no one else is covering the topics that you want to hear. And if you want to get involved in the show, maybe make an appearance on the show, join the live shows that we do every Thursday at 7 p.m. Central. We're going to talk jerseys. God, there's a few things I want to show you with the jerseys, like show you, because I have the pictures of them. And if you've been an everyday of the show, I told you that the Reds were going to have Crescent City on them for over a year. I ha- I've seen that picture of the jerseys. I have like the, the proof sheet and everything they do saved. So maybe we'll spoil some other jersey stuff in the live show this Thursday at 7 p.m. Central. But I'm going to be curious to see what you think about the new statement edition jerseys but the city edition jerseys which are normally mardi gras jerseys i got a bit of a scoop on that one we'll talk about that in the live show thursday at 7 p.m central so you don't want to miss it so today we're talking about the pelicans defense you know do they need to upgrade these areas and i think they would like to i think they would like to upgrade all of this a little bit we just talked about how kind of like they're, they're average at a lot of things, even if some of the numbers look good, some of the other ones don't. And it kind of out, you know, they kind of weigh each other out there and balance the scales a little bit. So you could upgrade and we'll get on to that part in the third segment. Do you really need a center upgrade? I don't know if the answer to that is yes, from a defensive perspective. There's another reason, a couple of other reasons why you would do that. So the numbers, I think for defensively are good for the Pelicans average at worst. But what about in clutch situations? That's an entirely different thing. You know, we have been looking at these numbers that are over the 48 minutes of a basketball game, but what if the game's close late in the fourth quarter? And the clutch numbers are really good to look at basically on how teams close out tough games. And it 
only measures statistics, looks at statistics that occur within the final five minutes of the game with the score plus or minus five for a team. So you could be down five or up five and it counts as a clutch game, clutch moments. Now you can get out of that. You can get back into it. But it should give us kind of an idea of what the Pelicans do in a close fourth quarter game that's coming down to the wire. And I was expecting the numbers to be bad. I was expecting the defensive numbers to be bad for the Pelicans. And when I pulled them from the NBA.com slash stats site, which I use all the time, the three sites I use mainly for statistics are NBA.com slash stats, basketball-reference. I even have a basketball-reference.com t-shirt. And then cleaning the glass was just a subscription site you have to pay for, but the other two are free. But the clutch numbers for the Pelicans were good. They were good. I thought it was going to be bad. Like, I really thought their clutch numbers were not going to be good. And it turns out I was wrong. They had the seventh best defensive rating in clutch situations last season. So if we're looking at the defense, pick and roll, rim protection, all kind of factored into all of that in clutch situations Last year, they played 37 clutch games, games that had, you know, that this situation came up in when the Pelicans were good in clutch situations. Actually, last year, the defensive rating was seventh best. They were a good defense in clutch situations. Now, you know, this will only factor in when the score is plus or minus five. So if all of a sudden, you know, the Pelicans are close and then they let the other team run away with it, it's going to stop counting those numbers. Say it gets to six or more points. But it would be re- be reflected in these numbers. They would have a bad defensive rating if that was happening, and it's not. And so the Pelicans, again, anytime you look at the defense, that wasn't the issue last year. It was the offense. It was them failing to score points in clutch situations. That was an area that they, you know, struggled with a little bit, especially, you know, as the season went on and they lost a number of their you know, key players to injuries and things like that. But the Pelicans were actually very good in the clutch last year. They were fifth best when it comes to net rating, offensive rating minus defensive rating. The one area that they struggled in, and this is where it kind of gets into what do you do about this? And that's going to lead us into the third segment of today's show is they struggled rebounding. They struggled rebounding in the late game situations in terms of defensive rebounding percentage, which is the number you want to look at with that. The Pelicans were 26 out of 30, so they were fifth worst in the league. They were giving up a lot of offensive boards, which means teams were getting a lot of easy putbacks and beating them that way. If they could clean that up a little bit, more on that in a second here, you know, they'd be an elite defensive team. And they were actually a good defensive rebounding team overall. They were the sixth best defensive rebounding team, except when they got into the late fourth quarter situations of close games, they struggled. And that's because they would go small. Jonas Valanciunas, as I've said, is a very good rebounder. He led the league in defensive rebounding rate last season. He was grabbing one out of every three, a third, of all available defensive rebounds. That is an elite number, 33.3%. But they didn't close games with him. They closed games with Larry Nance Jr. because Larry Nance Jr. can defend in the pick and roll. He can defend in space on the perimeter. But one thing he is, is he is undersized. And they had a rebounding issue with that. And so... It's tough to figure out what they should do. Do they want to try and upgrade that center position? We'll try and answer this question in a minute. You know, when Jonas was fine, like I don't think he's a good defender, but I think he's an adequate enough defender. 
They don't use him properly defensively or in the way that's best for him, but they do it with what fits their scheme. You know, and they were still good as a defense with him on the court. You can say, well, they need to grab those defensive boards in late game situations. It's going to kill them. But they have the seventh best defensive rating, which includes all of that stuff, right? If you're just giving up board after board after board and they're putting it back in, you won't have a good defensive rating. Except they do in clutch situations with Larry Nance Jr. out there on the court. So all of that's to say, do you need to upgrade? Do you need the rim protection? Do you need better pick and roll defense when it's good? Or are we overreacting to a couple of big moments that kind of stand out? Like, is this confirmation bias, like negativity bias, confirmation bias? Can you combine those into one thing? Is there a negativity confirmation bias kind of thing? It feels like that's what's happening here. Because when you look at what they do is they switch, they force you to take tough shots, they defend the three-point line unbelievably well and I actually don't think that that is a fluke like watching them defend the three-point line last year they're really good at it I don't know if they need to change too much about the center position the big man position at least in terms of the lens of the defense and this goes back to the original question I'm not picking on you at IQ 504 underscore 504 because I think it's a good question you know and the Pelicans have said they would like to add a little bit more rim protection I think some would be good Some more would be good, but I don't think they need to necessarily make wholesale changes in search of that because, y'all, everything's fine. (laughs) The defense is good. So let's get into that one because I want to get into that more about, you know, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should. And I think there's something really important with that. So let's look at that. Do the Pelicans really need to upgrade at the center position? That's coming up here next in today's episode of Locked on Pelicans. And thank you for making Locked On Pelicans your first listen today and every day. We're here Monday through Friday, even if I'm on the road. In my hotel, a member of the Thunder coaching staff actually hopped on, which was kind of cool, chatted up with him for a little bit. Um, Just a random thing. Apparently, this hotel gets NBA stuff. I've run into Jose Alvarado here before, too, which was kind of funny. So... Thank you for making Lockdown Pelicans your first listen today and every day. All, all of the normal stuff. Subscribe wherever you get to your podcast. Live show Thursdays at 7 p.m. Central. And we'll talk jerseys in tomorrow's live show. Should be a lot of fun. Um, one more show before that, though. And then we'll get to the live show Thursday at 7 p.m. Central. There'll be show up Thursday morning. And then we go live, which counts as the Friday show. And we'll talk jerseys and probably a lot of other fun things. Those have been great recently. So today we're talking about the defense and how it relates to the center position for the New Orleans Pelicans. The defense has been good. The defense is good. Rim protection was okay last year. Not amazing in both categories, but like really good in one, not great in the other. Probably makes them about average. The pick and roll defense has been good. They were good in clutch situations, even if they gave up more offensive rebounds than you would have liked. Something's clearly working and we can spend more time going into that. And maybe we will in the live show and I can explain the defense in depth there. So do you really need, so think about the past two segments for a moment, particularly in relation to Jonas Valanciunas. It's kind of two sides of the same coin and the same side of the same coin all at once, which sounds confusing, but bear with me here. They're a good defense with him on the court. They are. There's no getting around that. Even if you think he's a bad defender and he's not good, they're a good defense, team defense with him out there on the court. They're also a good defense with him off the court when they close games with Larry Nance Jr. or someone else. You know, 
do you need to change anything given that Jonas Valanciunas is kind of a talented player? But because they're also a good defense without him and he makes $15 million and this team is into the luxury tax 2.9 right now and needs some breathing room there, do you look at moving him? But I think that's the reason why you look at moving him, not because he's a bad defender. You need to upgrade those areas because you think he's holding you back. You know, he holds you back in the fourth quarter, but you have another option. So you just don't play him, And it's working. Kind of as simple as that. Yeah, you had the Minnesota game at the end of the season, but that's also one game and not all of them. And when you look at it over a large enough sample size, it comes out to be kind of good. And this goes to something I said a week or two ago when we did a show about trading Jonas Valanciunas. This isn't about Jonas Valanciunas being a bad player. You know, this is about the Pelicans more so than him. And he's just kind of the most obvious candidate with it, right? This is like a breakup where you say, it's not you, it's me. Though normally you don't mean that, but the Pelicans actually mean that here. They're like, Jonas, it's not a you thing. This is an us thing. This is our salary cap situation. This is, we like to close and defend on the perimeter, you know, with a smaller guy in the fourth quarter. You know, you can move on from Jonas Valanciunas because he's a bit superfluous for you at that point in time, I think. You don't do it, though, because he's a bad player and because you're like, we got to get rid of this guy. It's just we don't use you as well as we should offensively. You're making $15 million. This isn't the best use of our money because we're fine kind of without you. But it's not that they need to get rid of him to upgrade things. You know, I do think Cody Zeller was brought in to do some of that. That's a guy that rebounds at a pretty high rate, not as good as Valanciunas, but at a pretty high rate and can be a switchable defender. So I wouldn't be shocked if at times you see Cody Zeller close games because he fits the defensive scheme a little bit better than Jonas Valanciunas does. If you want more rebounding out there and don't think that Larry Nance Jr. has it in him that night. So I think they kind of have the depth that they need, but that's more of a rebounding defending thing than it is a rim protection thing because I think the rim protection is just actually okay. But we'll see if they try and make another move. You know, I wouldn't hate like a pure shot blocker on the team, certainly. But am I, do I want them to continue to pay the luxury tax for that? No, I think you can get by without it. Let me know what you think in the comments down below on YouTube. Do you think they still need to add more rim protection? Or given the numbers that I just shared with you, is everything going to be okay? I'm very curious what you have to say. And that's going to do it for this episode of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow. And then we got the live show Thursday at 7 p.m. Central.